it's Page Avenue Crew, and my name's Adam. Ugh, I'm dead. I'm D2, D2. Fucking Josh. <laughs> hey, energy's back up on Uncle Josh over here. And Drew's here. Drew's also here. He's, getting, he's, he's getting a white claw. Producer. Claw it out. Say hello or else. Did you say Andrew? <laughs> and Drew. I don't go but by that shit. <laughs> I don't and fuck, we have Andy. That shit. fuck Andy. But most importantly, we have another guest. Yeah, got a real guest, but a uh, guest that joins us remotely. So he's as not real. Tradition. He's fake. <laughs> so he's a hologram to us, but. Yeah, really good friend of mine and sort of kind of co-host of uh, my other podcast. And now graphic designer of the album cover that, that you've seen right now, everyone who's listening because it's out at this point, Mike Forrester. Hi, buddy. Hi, Mike. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> We've come full circle, isn't this why? And Adam, I get to tell the story, my story of the year story, which is my favorite story. Ooh, I love that. And this is oh, yeah. just fantastic. That yeah, I'm we get to tell the actual guys. story. We'll, we'll do that in a minute. But His favorite did, story of all the years. Yeah, did yeah. we make out at one point and I just don't remember it? Yeah. Yeah, probably. It, it would have been statutory make out. I don't remember that either, but I'm not going to say it didn't happen. Yeah. So, um, like I said, at the time that this recording is released, We've dropped our album cover, our album title, the track list, maybe? Uh, we don't know. Most likely. I think it's, Most all likely. Out. it's all out there now. Yeah. And a new song. And the album cover was something that Mike and I did together. He did both singles, both single covers that are out. Our banner now, our like backdrop that we play with live is his design as well. The whole new like Falling Guy torn up kind of thing is, that's all Mike. Our, my buddy Mike right here. Fuck Yeah. I guess we should pay you at some point, huh? Here it uh, is. Maybe. Nah. Have you gotten paid yet? Oh, you have it. Here it is. Dude, I saw the post that, that well, we reposted that you actually like printed that out and then ripped it up and did that like manually, right? I make it. I what? mean, I didn't like, see that. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the actual, that's the actual piece. It's old school. Yeah. We're looking at the new Falling Guy logo that's like ripped up and torn up. But yeah, saying that for people who can't see us, but that's awesome, dude. But yeah, you actually did that by hand, right? Actually. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, I think that that whole process, I've been in love since I got, I mean, this is all part of the journey of falling in love with this kind of music. Just everything in, in the aggressive sense of how punk rock became the ultimate obsession of mine, I think. And that was all the way down from, of course, the music, the way that it made you feel, and then the aesthetic too. And that was just the way that they did it. So every time you yeah. you wanted that grungy aesthetic, like you don't have to fake it like let's just do it and so you print that damn thing out like you would in a public library and then go and scan it in and whatever you get is what you get i thought that was the coolest part so that is really cool authentic that is way cooler i think all the way yeah. i love that the coolest part about that we'll, we'll get to the origin story here in a minute but the coolest part part about that is the album artwork like the the kind of progression of what we thought we wanted what we tried to go for what we ended up with whatever started with an attempt to kind of like go back to the beginning, go back 20 years because this album in a lot of way musically feels like a modern version of what we did 20 years ago. So we wanted artwork that kind of evoked the same emotions. So you doing it by hand and actually ripping it up and all that kind of shit is, it's like a very uh, meta take on the whole thing, you know? Yeah. It's tight. Yeah. And the album is called Tear Me to Pieces, obviously, yeah. now that everybody probably knows that or most people do. But it's very literal with the tear me to pieces theme, so it, it's just cool. It's great. It makes sense. On the whole, it feels good. So, Mike, you should. Um, I'll let you tell the whole story of how we met, 
but I'll preface it by saying <laughs> Mike and I re- have kissed <laughs> on the lips. We re-met on the internet by me having a Star Wars podcast and Mike being a big Star Wars fan. And well, my Star Wars podcast was kind of like a pandemic project. He had this pandemic project of making Star Wars um, kind of collectibles. What would you call them? Like uh, trinkets, things yeah. in universe yeah, 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 yeah. kind of yeah. things. And yeah. Mike's like a, a really good kind of networking, just communicator, like just bro, bro downer kind of dude. And we connected pretty quickly on, on my each other's stuff and then became friends. And then he started a podcast and then all, all the stuff progressed to the point where we created this thing called Mosh Isley, which is the Star Wars themed um, emo night together with uh, another podcast network. And we finally met in person probably uh, over a year after we actually met, but in February, in February of this year, but it, yep. we actually met like 17 years ago at a story of the year show. Yes. And this is something that this is a story that you told me, like, you know, after we became conversational and kind of got to know each other. So tell the story to the listeners of this podcast and uh, let's enjoy. <laughs> Wait a minute. We met you 17 years ago. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but well, you know, people, people who listen to this podcast are going to love this, this trip down nostalgia lane. You know, so the year is 2003. We're in Iraq. The year of our Lord. Even though it was the Saudis that did it. But anyways, <laughs> everything's a nightmare. So I went to see a band called Boxcar Racer with another band that was opening for them called The Used. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that band. <laughs> we might have heard of them. They've been around. I, I didn't know much about them. Then when they opened for Boxcar, I was like, it was one of those bands I'm in, instantly hooked. And that was kind of my transition into what I would say where we were transitioning from skate punk, that kind of stuff into screamo, if we would mm-hmm. get into that. And so I became an instant fan from there. So this is in November of 2002 or three. Three. So I'm a huge used fan. We go to the Warp Tour. We saw that tour as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. It was 02. Yeah. So we go to Warp Tour, and I want to say this would have been 2003. Bert had, had to cancel a show due to his voice a couple months earlier, and so they were coming back for Warp Tour. And he goes, hey, we had to cancel a show earlier this year. We're going to go play a pop-up show because we love Detroit and blah, blah, blah. So my friends and I are like, well, we, we're going to leave Warp Tour and miss, I don't know, I have no idea who the headliners were because in my mind at the time, the used is the headliner. Mm-hmm. We leave Warp Tour and we drove over to the a, a place called Clutch Cargos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, oh, wow. yep. I remember that. Which was a church in Pontiac that's no longer a venue anymore. We we have the Crowfoot now in Pontiac that you guys just recently played. Yep. But Clutch Cargos had a little uh, basement stage that's about a foot tall. And you guys opened for the used in the basement of Clutch Cargos. Yep. It's all come together. Was, was Poison the Well there as well? I remember this. I think Poison the Well played... Before you guys, yeah, it, might, it was either that day or we did this a I couple think, times on that tour. But I remember doing that after show day of the show, like we played and yeah. then went and played again. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Anyway, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Poison the Well did not play; it was just you guys opening. And I specifically remember because this, I'm a, I played drums forever. Josh had the white Orange County drum set. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did it have a pinstripe on it? Did it have a black pinstripe on it? Two of them on the bottom of the shells, or was it all white? Two. Two pinstripes. You are correct. Two, yes. two, we call them racing stripes. <laughs> speed. Oh, yeah. Ferocity. They were built for speed. <laughs> sure, sure. And pleasure. I very specifically remember that because that was like, if you were a drum, there was no one who pl- didn't play Orange County that wasn't like the cool 
the coolest, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah, and if you get into business and you're like, oh, it turns out making high-end custom kits that don't scale turns out is not a great business. <laughs> no, for sure. Not a good model. <laughs> um, but regardless, in the mid-2000s, mid man, they made killer drums. So anyways, I remember this enough to know that you had a pinstripe or a racing, <laughs> racing stripe on the drum wrong? kit. So... We, we see the best show that I've seen because it's like, it was so intimate. It was amazing. Page Avenue was a, you know, transformative album for myself and a lot of other thrice and all, and the used and you guys like were kind of my transition into what would have been harder music. So being able to see you and the used in their original lineup and all that at the time was like very fond mem core memories, guys. Nice. So the, we're taking off, you guys got to take off and security's like, all right, everyone's got to get out of here. And Adam and I, as we've discussed many times, both recovering Catholic school people. And Dan. Peace be with you. <laughs> did, you did you also wear the Crusader cross? Was this the, the mark no, of the I devil? Did, I didn't make it that far. I gave up before, or in, in high school, I was done. Okay. Yeah, which is fine. You know, it is a Crusader cross, or as some people who weren't religious, it looked like a waffle. Yeah, yeah. that's what we always called it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, waffle necklace. So, um, Oh, my God, Adam, I remember your waffle necklace. Yeah, he, sorry. he always the, wore it. And the tattoo, yeah. the yeah, thing, yeah. Yeah, sorry, good. Yeah, there you go. So Adam has one, and my friend that uh, was with me, who is now working camera on The Mandalorian, and that's another weird way that the Force works in our line of thinking. Mysterious ways. Yeah, very, very mysterious ways. Uh, he's like, hey, wait you got a Kairos cross on. And Adam's like, what? You know what this means? Not waffle <laughs> necklace yeah. actually yeah. knew what it meant. So we're like, yeah, we go to the, we go to the Jesuit school, like <laughs> down in Detroit. And Cause you were in high school at the time. Yeah. I was 17 years old. And, uh, security guy comes up. He's like, Hey, you guys got to go. And, and Adam's like, no, no, no. These guys are cool. They're cool. <laughs> they can stay. Security guys like, whatever, dude, my shift's over. I'm out of here. So <laughs> Adam, Adam brings us up into you know because like it's the it's the back end of clutch cargo so you're not even in like the official like load in load out it's literally like you're on the sidewalk yeah. you know what i mean so we go up and there's one gate that leads to the tour bus and adam's like you guys want a beer and i'm like are we can i do this <laughs> and my other buddy who's like way more brash than me older siblings he's like oh hell yeah dude i want a beer so adam's like sick so he grabs a couple Coronas and I'm like, holy shit, we're doing this. My buddies are like halfway done with his. <laughs> and as we're walking up, Adam's like, oh, cool. Well, you guys enjoy yourself. We're, hang out for a little bit. Let me know if you need anything else. So we're walking up the steps and there's just a shit ton of people signing records. One of you is there and then uh, it's Jeff, right? Yeah. From yeah, Jeffa. Yeah. Of the used? Or bass player. Bass yeah. player of the used, yeah. Jeffa. Bass player, sorry. So he's signing autographs and this girl like gives me this album she's like could you sign this and i'm like absolutely <laughs> so i just started signing records too so somewhere around metro detroit there's a bunch of autographs of you guys the used and then mike forster <laughs> <laughs> nice like your high school signature there was probably like way too much oh yeah yeah it's probably like very legible <laughs> yeah yeah i like you could i probably wrote like my number on there <laughs> the more important thing is adam gave underage underage jesus lovers alcohol um, yeah 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 yeah, what's the statute of limitations on giving uh, Catholic kids beer? <laughs> I mean, you do it every Sunday. Well, you didn't fuck them, so, you know. Yeah, so, yeah there's definitely worse going on in the Catholic church, <laughs> yeah. so you're fine. Yeah, worst case, I get relocated to a different church. Dude, yeah, exactly. worst case. Branding opportunities, guys, on our tours on Sundays, free beer for Catholic boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. Boys. Catholic yeah. boys. Boys. Only yeah. underage boys. Under yeah. 18, it's Sunday. 
Come have a beer. Yeah. Come yeah. have a beer. The Lord approves. Yeah, come have a, a little bit of the sacrament. Yeah, get yeah. you some sacrament. <laughs> get you some sacrament. If Jesus' blood was made of Mexican lager, uh, yeah. You yeah, it's know. Corona, right? Well, he That's, wasn't white. We know that, so. Not according to all the pictures I've seen. No, all the drawings depict him really light skin. It's really weird. He's definitely more of an old old style guy. So anyways, so. Um, from Chicago. So that happened, and I remember being like, that was one of the greatest nights of my life. Like, unbelievable. And. My friend and I are driving home and, you know, of course this is at, you know, one twelve o'clock at night. We're actually in, in the state of Michigan. If you're under 18, you're not allowed to drive past uh, midnight. Still right now? I don't know if it's still, but this was an initiative. You have children. You should know this. Un child. I do, but she's like, she's pretty far away from driving. So I don't have to think about it yet. But this was also like at the height of like when like cell phones become like a huge pr- pain in the ass mm-hmm. for just distracted driving so they're like if you're 18 you can't drive so we're driving home being like did that just happen and then my buddy having the very short realization that like dude we could get pulled over and (laughs) blow the cop (laughs) and he drove thank god he drove a very discreet car which would have been a 2001 Dodge Neon, which was bright purple with teal hubcaps. And I was like... Did it have a racing stripe down it? Did it have two pinstripes going down it? Just uh, like no, it had, it, had like the, it had like the 80s cup, you know? You're like your classic like everywhere cup, you know? Mm. Uh, disposable cup. Had the little 80s uh, jagged edge down the oh, side of it. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Nice. I was like, yeah, we're going to go to jail and really get Catholic. Yo, who else had a Neon. Chip. <laughs> Chip. Chip had a neon. Chip had a neon. Oh, yeah. Christy yeah. had a neon, too. Johnny Venus. Damn. For real? Yeah. Damn, when you said blow a cop, nailed it. Nailed that it. was good. Nailed it. It's called comedic timing, guys. <laughs> Got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, but you didn't get yeah. pulled over. And you had only had, what, do you only have one beer? We didn't. We got home. Did you guys only have the one beer? I mean... I think I think Jewel had Jewel ended up having like two or three beers because he was like, "Well, dude, you got to do this." And I remember being like, "But this start this starting to feel like are we breaking the rules? Like either we're just get what's going to happen in my opinion? We're just going to end up on warp tour. Like my mom's going to call like wake up in the morning and be like, "Hey, you didn't come home last night. Is everything okay?" I'm be like, "Yeah, I'm actually in Cincinnati." I'm in story of the year, mom. Just moving shit. I'm just moving Honey, shit around. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm wiping off drum heads. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Wiping yeah. off sweaty guys. So that was the first time I met Story of the Year. Dude, well, that's interesting. Dude, that's that crazy. crazy. I don't. I have no memory of this show. Oh, you're fucking welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, a vague memory of it, which was re rebooted by you. Tell me the story. Yeah, yeah. I remember doing a couple of those yeah. on that tour, and I hated it because it was like singing during the day, then it's yeah. like play a longer set tonight, and then play again at fucking nine noon tomorrow, or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. the schedule's fucking crazy. And you do like sixteen days in a row and shit. Sorry. Yeah, I remember doing a couple of them. Um, the only show I remember there was one with like a weird like round stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I remember that really specifically yeah. for some reason. Ooh. There was there's clutch cargo wasn't the round stage one, right? Dude, it might be because it, it was a church. Actually, the ba- I mean, it was. Such a short stage that, like, when Bert did um, Taste of Ink, he just told everyone. I mean, mind you, there's like two security guards there because Clutch Cargoes is like, uh, I don't know who's working tonight. You're down in the basement. Like, how bad could it be? Yeah. Right. So everybody ran up on stage for the Taste of Ink. And I remember being up on stage with Bert, like, his the sweatiest man and like patting us all on the back. And I remember being like, what am I doing up here? But it was literally like, just, it was like, just walk up. It wasn't like, I got to jump a barricade or anything. It was just like, get up I remember, here. I remember this. Dude, that's great. Yeah, it's yeah. a church. 
I remember that weird round stage yeah. one. I, I remember, remember. I remember having to carry gear downstairs and shit. Yep. I'm pretty sure it was the first time we ever played Burning Years live for some reason. Oh, wow. I, I just have like this nightmare memory of playing Burning Years for the first time ever, and it fucking sucked, and we hated it, <laughs> and we were like, oh, we'll never play it again. But it was on <laughs> one of those shows, I feel like, because we had to play longer than our work tour set. That sounds really we familiar. Also did one of, we also did one of those in Cincinnati, too. I remember that Cincinnati one, Cincinnati might have been the round one. No, Cincinnati yeah. was a normal club. We did a few one. of them. I know we did yeah. one where Poison the Well played, too. I don't know. We did yeah, a few that of was them. The, that was the one Poison the Well played, the one in yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. Either way, yeah, that, that shit was always fun. Uh, yeah, it was just like a pop-up show, and yeah, we just all showed up and had a fun little after-party, intimate show. Sick. Great. Well, for the people that left Warp Tour, because I think that would have been, I mean, who who would have been probably the biggest band at the time would have maybe been My Chemical Romance? They no, that, they was, weren't on that was early. Who's the headliner in 2003? I have Three, no idea. Three was AFI, The Used. I mean, we. Yeah. it changes every day, so, you know, there's no, like, technical headliner, but... But the big ones but that year in 03. were one of the bigger bands that year, for sure. Right. AFI, we, we watched a lot, for sure. Yep. Um, but there were still a lot of, like, old legacy punk bands at that time. Yeah, I think, so. I think No Effects or Rancid or one of those was on it, unless that was 04. I don't remember. But Bad Religion, one of them. All, all of those Finch kind of bands were on as well. did that, and they were still big. They did 2002. Pretty sure Bouncing Souls was on 03. No, that might have been 04. I don't know. We did the all soul, of 03. The Souls were on 04. Yeah, we did all of 03 and 04, so it's confusing, but... Glassjaw was the big one for us that we watched every day on 03. Would Thrice have been on that? Yes. 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 Yeah, they were playing because that was before Artist and Ambulance a, came out. Whoa. They were playing two new songs. They were on tell you all Dude, them? Andrew WK was on War Tour yeah. 2003. That's right. He would sign in the parking lot every night. Remember, he Simple would do a plan. signing after the show every night for Josh like two hours. It. AFI, Andrew WK, the Ataris, Dropkick Murphy. Yeah. Um, Mercy. Uh, Glassjaw, Pennywise, Rancid, Simple Plan, The Starting Line, Sum 41. What about May? I think May was there, yeah. Twisted, he played one day. <laughs> uh, face to Face, Less Than Jake, Me First in Gimme Gimme's, Mest, Poison the Well, Suicide Machines, Taking Mech Sunday, Talib Quali. I totally missed that. Wow. Uh, Thrice, The Used. Wow. And then wow. the Marie stage. Oh, yeah, wait, The Offspring trapped. was on some of it. Did, did you say The Offspring? I just remember. Breaking uh, Benjamin. I saw The Offspring that year. Yeah, because I remember Rancid oh. was there, but. Uh, at some point, somebody was talking about riding on the private plane with Dexter from The Offspring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Ri- dude, Rise like Against, uh, Motion City, Autumn to Ashes, uh, Coheed, oh. Avenged Sevenfold. Yep. It was a great year. Yeah, And so was, so was 04. They were both like back-to-back amazing years for our genre and like the changing scene at the time. It was like, it was great. I like how this says that, I mean, we did the whole fucking tour, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This has us, this list has us on there for... Well, we were on different stages the whole tour, remember? Yeah. We did Ernie Ball for like a couple weeks, and then we were on the Volcom stage, and then Maurice, and then Maurice, the, and then we were on the main stage this sometimes. This says we played the Volcom stage July 18th through August 2nd, and then August 9th and August 10th. <laughs> but the, we're not listed on any other Yeah, we did stage. the whole thing. <laughs> fact check that. Yeah. Some days we do Kevin Says stage. I think they just didn't know where we were going to be other than that. Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were sharing a bus with Letter Kills that year. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. When the gen- the air and then the generator went fully out. Yep. And we were we had to sit in our underwear like Lord of the Flies and just sit there and drip sweat in the fucking jungle we're, of the bus. But we were in a bus. Yeah, you were. That was our Lord first of the bus. Flies. Yeah. Our first ever bus experience. Lord of the year flies. The year of the flies. The shit cool. flies. All right. Hey, let's talk about our artwork real quick. Uh, By real quick, I mean like now. Like in you Like know, right now. Now until in the future from now. Um so Ryan and I talked a lot about the artwork and about trying to to bring back kind of the early 2000s thing. And there there was like a really specific 
design aesthetic in the early 2000s that we kind of borrowed from some earlier bands mm-hmm. that everybody kind of did there. It was like this, uh, this is going to be boring as shit for anyone who's not like, in a graphic design and weird shit, but there was like, there's like one specific font that's on everything in graphic design. And this is, it's a font that everyone uses all the time. It's called Helvetica. And it's just, it's such like a legendary font as fucking hilarious as that sounds that there's a goddamn documentary about it. Fantastic though. But everything from like thrice to glass jaw to any ad you see everywhere, it's like the font. We used it on our shit, the original story of the year logo, the Page Avenue album cover. It's on there. There it is right there. Mike's holding it up. So we wanted to like kind of harken back to that and and evoke the same kind of shit. So we we pushed towards this kind of like Swiss modern kind of thing. And you tried a bunch of stuff in that ballpark with like that that grungy kind of punk vibe. Mm-hmm. And it was all cool. It was all really fucking sweet. And it's the stuff that we ended up using for the single artwork. Yeah, but there was like something slightly missing that we did. We didn't necessarily know what it was. We knew we wanted to use the falling guy. We knew we wanted to kind of like evoke. There's a toilet <laughs> and a motorcycle. One toilet, one motorcycle. I think that style was very. I mean, you have to think of also in the 2000s is when we really start to like. This is the height of Macintosh. This is the absolute graphic design boom this is when things started to become more and more accessible. So there was certainly an aesthetic of bands that were coming out and they were making stuff. This was also like, where was the, where were the places to shop for? This was surf culture. This was Hurley and Billabong and Volcom <laughs> and like all of these brands yeah. that were really cool in the skate scene. But then you're going to Hot Topic and you're going to Pacific Sunwear and you're buying band t-shirts from these places. And they had this not yet retrowave, which we would call it, like where the 80s came back. It still wasn't like cool to bring the 80s back. But in that specific sense, you had bands like Paramore, like Riot, right? That cover is like iconic in its own right, just because it's like the hand-drawn scrawl. You know, you guys had more of like a photo approach to it. But then you think of like the simplicity of the same time, like 2002, Blink-182 goes from having a porn star on the cover, holding up a, you know, she's going to check your prostate to an all black cover with three little icons. It went from like, you know, 1999 American Pie Bro to like refined graphic design. So it's, it was an interesting, it was an interesting case. And like, even from like what the used did on their first album, with the broken face and the mannequin and, and you know, they kind of had that like pre-destroyed, you know, grungy font that you could probably download in some <laughs> sense to going to a full-on Alex Pardee artwork was really pretty cool. So like you're starting to see just a, a shift in, in a style for this genre, which I thought was really cool. So when you guys were like, hey, let's explore this, that was like literally going back and like digging my BMX bike out and being like, I remember what this was like. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, and that's a, that's an aesthetic that has always been like a complete favorite of mine. And we saw it like my, I used to design snowboards for, for Burton snowboards. And you see this, like you see these shifts because, you know, snowboarding used to be super skateboard inspired punk rock. Um, and now they're like, well, the boards cost 600 bucks. So we can't put punk rock stuff on there because it looks dated. So now we have to go ultra Helvetica, put Helvetica on stuff, uh, because it lasts forever. So it was really interesting going from where we started to where we ended up. Yeah. So segue. Well, yeah. <laughs> real quick, I, it's a cool testament to you. We had the same conversation with every designer and we kind of, 
you know, we tried four or five different people, maybe three, four or five, all super talented people. Yeah. We had the same conversation with every one of them about getting back to the early 2000s, refused, you know, all this, this, all the stuff we just talked about, you know, that aesthetic. And then Adam was just like, dude, I want my friend Mike to try something. And he handed me his phone or sent Texas a link or whatever. And I saw that shit you guys that you did for them. The one with Boba Fett and it's like pink and orange and shit. Yeah, and yeah, we were sitting at this table. Mosh Eisley uh, poster, right? Yeah, yeah. So we were sitting at this table in here, and I was like, "Dude, that right there is cooler than anything I've seen over the last month." So all of us were like, and Dan said the same thing. He's like, mm-hmm. "Dude, every one of these dudes' designs is cooler." And then, not to knock those people, um, they were all great, but it's just like something about your like take on that is really like really spoke to us, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's cool. I think, I think coming around to it as we get into more talking about the actual art specifically as it's coming, as we'll get to talk about it in a, in a second here, you've got to think of where music was at at the time where you guys really like came into my life. And this is the height of, this is like my space is just getting going. This is like (laughs) the live journal era for kids in high school that were like basically launching their own bands on there. Like Man, I had, I was, we were going to shows with an Angel Fire website that had like a bootleg Winamp media player that <laughs> yeah. we could download. And we were ripping songs off LimeWire, giving our computers viruses so that we could get the latest and the greatest before we'd go out and buy this stuff. So in a way, this was like the digital riot that was starting to happen. So the way that we ended up with the artwork this time was that there's this huge push for digital artwork and what what the computers are doing now for us in many ways. There was a time of transitioning in the late 90s, of course, to when we started seeing things like, you know, we're quantizing drums. We almost don't even need live drums uh, now from some programmers. Like, we're, like, making guitar sounds in the computer that we have no way of replicating. It was, like, all happening at the same time, art on any level. Right, exactly. So it's like, and, and then the only way, like, you also think about it, like, what was the way to go see shows? It was like you had to go to the website And then there were still people going out and putting up damn posters on stuff. So we're like seeing the death of analog and the complete adoption of digital all happening in this like five-year span that happens so fast. And so for us to be able to take the artwork of this album and almost acknowledge our digital existence because there's some people who haven't bought an album in years. Or ever. Yeah. And so we're in a way taking this digital life that we're, we're like accustomed to and us tweaking it that way is almost like a complete opposite end of the bookend of where story of the year started yeah. in the mid two thousands. It's interesting, dude. Real quick, I remember designing our early websites, and I was when you could put the hit counter, like the button that shows how many people <laughs> yeah. visit. That was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, Sorry. go ahead. Dude. You should talk. Hey, while we're talking about like you know the jump from analog to digital and the you know all, all that shit, you should talk about the AI. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, so that this shit is so incredibly interesting to me, and I've been the past few months have been crazy. And I listened to a podcast the other day about it that made me really want to have this conversation. So the album cover that everyone who's listening most likely now knows as the album cover for Tear Me to Pieces number one came after several rounds of stuff, like Ryan mentioned, and and Mike made a bunch of great shit, but there was like something still missing that we wanted. Ryan and I talked a lot about wanting to bring back the Falling Guy, but in a way that completely reinvented it and added dimensionality to it. But we couldn't, like, neither of us are really high-level artists. We're, like, very low-level artists. Mike is an, is one of the best designers that I've ever met. 
super fast and creative and just can knock shit out. But you know, you're not like a traditional artist. You don't paint. You aren't like a, an illustrator per se, but you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're yeah. a graphic designer. Right. So to f- create this like three dimensional or like multifaceted kind of like new updated version of the falling guy was challenging. But then I realized that, you know, I, I, I follow technology really closely. I'm super into AI and all this kind of futurism shit. Knowing about these new, um, algorithms that will generate an image just from commands like Dolly to Dolly mini mid journey. And now there's stable diffusion, all these different kind of things. Yep. I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to mess with that. And I think I, I talked to, no, this was it. I, I saw Atreyu at the pageant here and I was talking to Porter McKnight from Atreyu and he was showing me mid journey and he was generating these like crazy, you know, really like dark, gothic kind of images that he's all into. Like he just typed in like skull with a dagger coming out of its butt or whatever, you know, and the shit just fucking generates it in seconds. It's completely command based. And, and that really blew my mind open about the idea of a shit knife, shit knife. Yeah. Shit knife. We should have named the album shit knife. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well I'm just going to try this. Like he sent me the, the invitation cause it was invite only at the time you do the whole thing through discord. You like put the the commands in and it generates images and it spits them back in a matter of like 30 seconds. And the whole community can see it too. Yeah, that's the that's yeah. Just why. <laughs> like everyone can watch all this stuff happening. So we had all these like different submissions from different artists. The falling guy like on a sky with the this kind of color palette that we knew we, we wanted to use. So I just typed in something like silhouette of human figure in orange, yellow, and pink sky exploding with glass or some kind of shit like that. I just typed in some commands and it started bringing up these really cool, bizarre images that were very abstract. And I just kept adding more and more commands, just kept iterating until it started generating this shit that looked, it didn't look like the falling guy, but it was like a human shape and it looked all kind of burnt and blown up and it started to look like paint. It started to look like all, all this kind of different shit. And I may have sent it to the group or I may have just sent it to Ryan. Then I took one of those and kind of just in Photoshop made it the shape of the falling guy. I'm actually going to put together like a video, like a breakdown. I'll do a time-lapse of like how the whole thing came together. But basically there was one particular image where Ryan was like, dude, that's the one. That's the fucking one. It should look like this. It looks like the movie Annihilation. Yeah. 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 Do you remember, you know this movie? Yes. Yep. Where the, basically the organism like fuses with the humans and like they, you know, you see the human shapes and like with all the beautiful, yeah, the, flowers and all that but it's it's like offsetting because like you're uncanny valley because you know there's a human in there but you're like this is weird yeah, but- so i thought that was that was the first thing i thought of yeah mm-hmm. so i started to just like basically combine all of these things and make it the shape of the falling guy and i don't know where i hit mike with after a few like oh, i'll try this try this kind of like annoying feedback sessions i was like i think we have a whole new direction and i sent you the image yep and <laughs> I remember you being like, okay, this is cool. But then we also have like a philosophical discussion about art and like, yeah. this is crazy fucking times. Number one, this is crazy times. Number two, what was the analogy you made? You said something like, like basically like I'm a designer, but you're asking for an artist. <laughs> no, no, no. I said, I said, I feel like I'm a metal drummer and you know, you're asking me to play jazz. Jazz fusion yeah, or some shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, that's basically the Mars Volta. Um, I think what the issue for me was is like, you know, the AI stuff is so incredible. And the difficult part about it is like, I'm, I'm foreseeing all of what computers are going to have done and what they're going to continue to do for visual arts. Right. And 
you know that there's people who are going to be like AI art is going to take over the next two years of people just being able to affordably generate cool images. Yeah. That's all like everyone is going to be able to be like, I can make a lot of stuff and I don't have to pay for it a lot. That's great. There's a lot of people who have no qualms about doing that. So I think of how graphic design in my industry has been chipped away um, through other browser-based softwares like Canva. And a lot of people are just like, hey, if we can save money, we don't need a graphic designer to interpret this information and we're just like, punch it in. So like, it's a we- it was a weird thing for me and yourself too, Adam, because we're both sitting here being like, we fully understand what's happening. And then simultaneously at the same time, I think when we started the conversation, this was probably, we'd probably been about three weeks of us going through mid-journey and like using this. Yeah. And mid-journey was getting smarter and better. It was so yeah. weird to watch this because the more people kept feeding prompts, the more the AI was learning about what people were preferring because people kept selecting the different prompts and saying, I want more like this. And so it went from weird looking Picasso human faces to all of a sudden generating like supermodels with horns sticking out of their heads. Like photorealistic shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember like just being like, are we doing this? Like, are we going to full on go into it? But I think that, the, like I said it at when I was talking about the concept of the, of the artwork was that us not just choosing to do a mid-journey piece and saying, boom, that's the artwork, the computer made it. Us going through and manipulating the pieces that we got was a way for us to kick back, punch back, and then let us manipulate digital like it's been doing to us for the past since Page Avenue came out. Yeah. So I thought, I'm like, that's my way of processing how we're using it. Yeah. And, and like you said, we're, we're manipulating it. We're creating something new out of it. But we're using, we're still using digital tools. So it's like so interesting to me that we, we had the one main image. I, and no matter what I fed it, I could not get it to make a shape of the falling guy. Like you can input a reference image and like I, you, got, you have to do a URL. So I, I got the falling guy. I, I tweeted it, just the falling guy playing black on white. So I could get the URL to put it in the code, in the command to say, Look do this, it, do this, do this, you know, uh, <laughs> these colors on a sky, blah, 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 but use this percentage inspiration of this image. And no matter what I put in, it, it wouldn't do an upside down, like falling guy image. I was like hang a person hanging upside down in a sky with these colors, um, person falling from the top, like no matter what words I put in, it would not do it upside down. So when it came to it, I had to take all of these different images and there were dozens and dozens, take all of them, all of which looked fucking amazing. And any one could be an album cover. Like you said, you could just pick one and say, this is our album cover. But I took all of those and in Photoshop and Procreate, combined them, took little bits and pieces, masked off the whole thing and made the shape of the falling guy and then hand painted all of it together, stitched it all together in a way that made it like a giant fucking art project. I was like hand painting it. Mm-hmm. It's probably like a good, like solid 40 hours, like a full work week of time, just combining these shits into the shape of the falling guy. But still every element I was working with, aside from the, the like the stitching of the hand painting was made by a computer who was making shit from scratch based on words that I typed. And then we handed off to Mike and he goes and still does the whole graphic design portion of it, like doing the layout of the album, how the lyrics go mm-hmm. into the, you know, where it sits on the fold, all this kind of stuff, all this graphic design stuff that takes years of, of experience and knowledge to know how to lay out an album, for example, or a label or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, it's fucking weird and scary to think about how at some point 
you can kind of just type in the words and say, this is what I want it to look like. And a computer says, okay, here you go. Hmm. And that, that shit applies to music. Wait till they start writing our songs for us. Yeah, it applies to music. It applies to, to screenwriting. It applies to visual effects and movies. It's fucking wild shit, dude. And it's happening so fast. Like in the time, like the month or two that we sent the album cover and said, okay, this is the album cover. Mike made the kind of the mic up. And then we started generating images for the inside and the back and blah, blah, blah. I put the exact, exact same commands in, but when it came back, you know, last month, it looked too real because I used to have to put photorealistic at the end as like the qualifier for the style or whatever, because you can do like impressionistic or mm-hmm. Picasso or whatever. You can add whatever keywords you want. And photorealistic was at the end. But in that month between the original album cover and, and generating the, the images for the inside and the back, photorealistic became absolutely photorealistic. Like there's this kind of like concrete looking ground portion of the one thing. And it looked like actual blacktop. It looked like actual photorealistic shit. So I had to change it and make, I I put painterly in there, I think, to get it to be more stylized like what was happening a month ago. Cause like you said, Skynet had become self-aware. Fucking A, like for real. So in summary, (laughs) we had a little help from some robots, but there were still humans and I played with the robots. Dude, I think it's our coolest album cover. By far, I can't wait to have it, a yeah. big print of it hanging on my wall. You guys knocked it out of the park, and I fucking love it. It's like, I instantly replied, to, even with the first one before The Fallen Guy, I was like, dude, I, 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 I'm just going to print this hanging this in my house because it's so fucking cool. Yeah. The very first one with the weird guy with the claw hand, you know? Melted ass claw yeah. hand. But yeah, you mm-hmm. guys knocked it out of the park, and I, and I really do think it's our coolest cover. I love it. I think people are going to be fucking pumped. For what you said, too, do you think that, you know, saying like robots helped us out with this, like... Would you, but the part that, that trips me up is robots have helped us. It's helped us get music out there. It's the only way that some people might even know that you have music coming out. It's such yeah. a weird thing to like rationalize mm-hmm. versus us going, I mean, you guys wrote a song called 2005 on the new album, which is great. You think about how much we felt like we didn't depend on robots back then. And in stark difference of where we are now, it's almost like we can't go on without robots for us to, A, for me to be able to make a living <laughs> and same with you guys to be able to make a living playing music. Dude, I don't even know how I survive as a human without maps on my phone. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I used to get anywhere. Matt, well, you did map quest. You'd print it out. And then <laughs> Dude, I don't know how I, I got anywhere before. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I remember even like when we first started recording music, I was like, I was like on the fence. About, I'm not the singer, obviously, but I was like, dude, I don't know if we should use autotune, <laughs> you know, like that's not credible, you know, like all these things, all these technologies and all these, you know, all these tools that we just use without even, even a second thought, you know. But it's also incremental because like we were having those concerns. But meanwhile, the way we recorded the first album, the way you can just punch in like that, yeah, you can chop together anything, 15, 5 years before that it's a razor blade yeah, yeah. It, like you had to do it with actual tape you, dude so it was you know what i mean you remember that movie antitrust antitrust have you guys seen that yeah, yeah. with ryan Felipe? Watch it all the time yeah yeah uh, mm-hmm. dude i love that movie yeah but like that's like what we're doing right now that's <laughs> yeah. what's on your phone right now yeah you know? like it's just fucking wild man but it all no matter what it's just like you, you create this new tool and it lets you do more and then because you can do more we all as humans want more. Well, also, so it's like, it's not like it's going to slow down. It's not like we're like, well, the robots do it all. It's, it's more like 
no, now we humans need to keep working with the robots to make everybody more stuff that they want. Well, we've talked about this before, but it's like, even in like the 70s, you know, Pink Floyd was using the latest technology available. Yeah. In the 50s, they were using the greatest, latest technology available. In the 1900s, they were using the greatest, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, Go back. Everyone's always trying to use the greatest, latest, most advanced technology available. Yeah. Period. You know? So we're just doing the same shit. It's just, I think the, the, the rapid pace that everything's moving, it's just like, it's hard to rationalize that sometimes for, for me anyway. You know? Yeah. But I think getting back, I think getting back into the, the concept of what it is that we're doing though, in both the artwork and for the music is like, you think of all these things of how long it's been, at least since the, the impressionable days of my youth of music really like forming who I was like, you know, without that phase from 1998 to 2005, that changed my entire life in how I felt about things, how I was able to, how it put feelings to the emotions that I was going through at the time, which I think many of us were in in the, you know, it's like all of us are like, holy shit, are we going to go to war? Like, is this a thing? Like, is this the craziest thing that we've ever done? And we're all just trying to like be happy and do all this stuff. And you think about it now and you think like in many ways, of like we're saying like the the map quest thing same how did i my parents just let me go to shows in downtown detroit <laughs> in 2002 when it was like the sketchiest time of, of detroit <laughs> and like my parents were like cool just be back by midnight i'm like sounds good i have <laughs> like i have no idea i don't have a cell phone mm-hmm. i went down to D- detroit to see punk bands i don't have a cell phone if i got mugged it was like i i guess i just I guess I'll just start walking. Um, (laughs) But you think about that and you think like the reality of that. I don't, I don't, in many ways, I don't feel much different than I felt then. I still think people who are in charge of almost everything suck. (laughs) I still feel the unquenched thirst of wanting to scream all the time of everything that makes me upset. Like, you know, even the song, even real life, right? Like that idea of being super emotional, with your girlfriend in high school and now you've been married for how long and you still feel that way. It's like all of this stuff is just like echoing how we felt back then just through what would be an adult lens. But in that way, I think why this record is really successful is because it does it properly without pandering. And then you think about how we chose to do the artwork through that lens of being able to say like our lives are of course more dependent on digital, but you're going to feel the same, you know, this is just basically echoing how you still probably feel it's not that much different than when Page Avenue came out. Yeah, a modern approach to to all the shit that's timeless. A hundred percent. Dude, I love I love that. I love what you what you just said. That's dope. Yep, I agree. My mindset has not changed at all <laughs> since then. As far as uh music and the way the world works and mm-hmm. you know, there's certain things that that have changed in life in our lives, but but my ethos and the way I live life is exactly the same. And it all echoes back, like you said. And it's great. Yeah. That's just real life. Fuck yeah. That's just real life. Nice. Nice. We did it. I'm still punk <laughs> as fuck, bro. <laughs> I say fuck all the time. Mike, how many times do you say fuck? I just have to take more Advil. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> body hurts way more, but it's okay. Yeah, I take Advil before the shows now. Punk as fuck. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I definitely, I work at a college. So the, my students know I'm really serious when I'm trying to make a point when I cuss. And they're like, whoa, Ooh. the boss said yeah. fuck. He so, said fuck. You, but I'm a parent. So you got to choose when to really use those words. To Does your daughter say fuck? Does she cuss? Does she get to cuss at all? Uh, no, no. <laughs> so you're not punk. 
or you are, or wait. We lost audio. Mike, we just lost you. We just lost your audio. Sorry. There you are. Oh, um, look what you did. Boomer alert. <laughs> it was your fault. Um, no, I always felt like punk being punk was the, uh, was the way of uh, knowing when to get away with being punk. True. Other than that, you just got to get paid. So, <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't, uh, you know, we haven't, uh, I mean, she listened, we listened to a bunch of music together and she sings along. I don't think she knows what that means though. <laughs> we'll just wait till it comes up. How old is your daughter? Uh, she's six. She just turned oh, yeah. six. So we'll just wait till her, her teacher is like, hey, um, she was singing this song passionately. Um, <laughs> did drop an F-bomb. So, yep. dude, we'll see. People listening won't understand this, but my son yesterday, we were driving in the car. He's like, dad, I'll, there's something I have to tell you. This in their school, when they do this, for, I, it's, I don't know if it's just in his classroom. This means be quiet. He's like, the metal sign? Like, oh, yeah. the llamas. I don't know. He goes like this. They did this. But then I was thinking, if you put them together, it makes a triangle. Illuminati. And he was dead serious. Was like, he was in the backseat, like wide-eyed. He's like, like not laughing or anything. He's like, it makes a triangle. He put it up to his eye. Illuminati. Like, dude, you ain't wrong. Let me. You're like, put your hands down. They're going to know. You know. Dude, he was so serious. Illuminati. Illuminati. You know, this is a thing, like uh, quiet llamas or whatever. It's a thing. Remember fucking Kurt used to do that, Drew? What does a llama say after he does yoga? Lamaste. <laughs> Lamaste, y'all. That's wonderful. Lamaste. My, my wife is YT200, so yeah, I get that. T2000? That's a good one. T1000? Dan, how old was uh, Milo the first time you said fuck? Two. <laughs> he was still in Jenny's pussy. Yeah, my son. It's Jenny! I have a band called The Fuck Off and Dies, and my son, on our second record, he was three, but at the end of the song, he goes, Fuck! But I, I literally yeah. released Love that it. to the world when he was three. But my daughter is six right now, my my second child, and uh, she doesn't cuss much. Like I, I don't <laughs> tell her not to. But she doesn't cuss much. She just like doesn't want to. I think girls are a little different. She doesn't say fuck as often. Yeah, Milo says whatever he wants. But neither of them cuss at school ever. They're really good about it. I just tell them when and where is yeah. appropriate. I teach them how to use these words. It's not that. Yeah. How old was Maisie when she said fuck for the first time? I don't know. I don't even know if she's ever. I mean, I know she said it, but. But like you said, she sings along to songs and stuff, and she'll say it then. But she doesn't say it in like normal life, though. Camera's dead. She doesn't say it in real life. She doesn't say it in real life. This is really damn. That's just real life. But fuck, you fuck. know, as long as they understand the context and where they should be saying these things, I don't think it's a big deal at all. Yeah, just like yeah. Milo, don't fuck your sister. <laughs> <laughs> damn it! Right when the fucking camera turned off. That's uh, strong advice. That's just strong, strong advice. advice. It's not a bad idea to abide by that. Well, I mean, it's Missouri. I don't know how illegal that is even Yeah, it depends on, yeah. Depends on the specific municipality. I feel like it's probably okay in Missouri. If we go to Arkansas, it's got to be legal, right? Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, thanks for being on our podcast, dude. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, doing stuff for our band and helping us out and all that. Well, it's, there's a part of it where I'm going, it's surreal seeing life kind of come in this full circle moment in lots of ways. Um, I'm loving this resurgence in kind of this, like, I I think I want to say that it's part of like people just realizing that being grown up is basically just like a giant facade. Yeah. (laughs) You're seeing people now that their social media has kind of been able to let them like, oh yeah, cool. I'm still like, you know, yeah, dude, you're not going to get away with not not showing off tattoos. It's just part of my skin. Mm -hmm. No, it's not a face. Um, And, you know, I think when I, when I, when I go back to it and 
the part that's like, I think has pissed me off in all of this stuff is like the We Were Young Fest. Because people were like, can you believe all these bands got back together? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. These bands have been out here doing this. You got old. Yeah. You gave up on that shit. Yeah. These bands have been out here grinding. And so like, I'm loving seeing people. I want to say that if we were young, kicked off to letting people know that bands like your like Story of the Year, like a lot of these other bands that Anne Berlin, all these bands that I love, 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 are still playing and still putting out amazing music and still tapping into the fact that like you chose to get old. But like, if this still makes sense to you, get back into it. Crank that shit. We're still here. A hundred percent. So I'm loving this resurgence. I'm loving this uh, openness of people saying I might be 35 and 40 and 45 and taking Advil before the show, but still mm. going to the show and staying out past bedtime. <laughs> uh, I love, I love that. So I'm grateful for you guys letting me be a part of this journey for you because the, the, the album is amazing. And Adam, of course, my dear friend, for recommending me and having me a part of this. This is, uh, I want to say this is like a teenage dream come true, but at the same time, I'm 35. This is cool as shit, no matter mm-hmm. how old I am. So let me put that out there. Dude, hold on. I want to say, say one more thing to your point. Um, yesterday, or what did I say? I don't know. A couple days ago, two days ago, I was at a car deal- dealership buying a car for my wife, right? My wife. My wife. My and, wife. And uh, I'm doing the financing like the financing shit, whatever. And sitting there with the finance guy and he's looking at my papers and uh, he sees what I do. Are you going to click it? For for job, you know, it's like, I, there it is. Self-employed and then, so you have to put a business address, whatever. So I put, you know, story of the year and then our business managers, whatever. And he just stops. And it's like, he's, he gets kind of sweaty. He, and he's <laughs> like, he's just kind of like, fumble around. It's like, you're in story of the year. It's like, yeah, yeah. So he was like, dude, one of my favorite bands of all times talking about all these shows he's seen us in there, and then they start playing it over the speaker. Oh my and God. All <laughs> these people from the dealership came in and they're all of our band. And it was like, I need to know this dealership. So I know yeah, get yeah. Shit hooked up at this spot. No, no, I'm just saying. Cause it's you're, like, you're like, you're like, dude, hook me up with that 1.9 APR. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it, you know, it's all like 30, 35 year old dudes and stuff that, you know, like people like your age and shit. That are like the sales managers. This dude has like yeah. a full beard and he's like, Yeah, I know a few of those that work at car yeah, dealerships he's like, around they, town. He's now. like, yeah. Walked in, he's like, Oh my God, oh my God. They're all like shaking my hand and stuff. And they're just like, I, It was just fucking wild. Just like watching. It's like, Cause you're right. That time in your life, it kind of like that music or whatever, that nostalgia, it kind of gets burnt into your psyche. It becomes part of your identity. It's the lens you look at all art through for the rest of your life. You know, same reason I love like, Smashing Pumpkins and Rage Against the Machine and shit. Like, to this day, I still jam it, like, weekly and stuff. So, like, I don't know, dude. I, I, uh, there's something that's, like, that that age, when you're, like, 17 to 25, that uh, it's, like, you know, 15 to 25, 13 or whatever, you know? It's, like, when you discover this shit, it's just kind of, you know, it sticks with you forever. And even when you go to a car dealership to buy a car, <laughs> it's like the whole, they fucking started playing until they, they die over the whole thing. You know, <laughs> we all pretend that we're going to grow up and like change in life, but you don't like, you just, you love what you love. And then that's the shit you love for the rest of your life. And then we're all going to be dead soon. So who gives a fuck? <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I do like a, like a lot of new music, especially like there's a lot of pop shit that I like really, really fucking like, yeah, but like it, it grows and changes, yeah, yeah, but, but still when it comes to like, all that stuff that I grew up with, like, it's not just the music, it's the memories I have attached to it. Yeah. That makes me feel it in a different way than, like, anything new, you know? 
Except for our new album. It's like way better. It's the best. <laughs> totally awesome. Of all time. Uh, like Mike, like you said at the beginning, we're all ultimately just like, we're just like children who know what the adult rules are now. And we right. try to abide by them whenever possible. But when it comes to those moments where like everything is emotionally hitting you, you still go back to that, that place you were. Like if you're at a show, if, you know, if you're a fan and you're at when we were young, or if you're a band and you're at when we were young and you're on stage or you're in the crowd, either way, like you click back into that, like, that primal, like youthful part of your life where you just react on instinct or whatever, you know, you're just fucking, you're, Dude. you're that same person. But when in out in the world, you're trying to act like you have your shit together. I'm just trying, trying you know? not to fuck up my kids, mm -hmm. but, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, but dude, for real, like I still it's too late. like every, every decision <laughs> in my life, seriously, it sounds dumb, but like goes through the filter of like, is this fun to the, to the most I can make it like life's fucking short. I want everything to be as fun as possible. It might sound weird to you guys, but that's kind of why I don't drink as much as I used to. Cause it's like the shit I like to do. I like to like get up real early and there's a bunch of shit I like to do. Cause it's like, like weave a basket. And Cause like, it's like the most fucking fun ever to me. Make you a know? popsicle like, stick house. No, like going climbing and shit and like doing all the stuff that I like to do is at this point way more fun to me than certain other things and whatever. But like still my fucking whole every day, I'm just like, how can I make this as fun as fucking possible? Yeah. I don't do shit if it's not fun, if I can help it at all, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the same as I've ever been. Well, I think, I think if you guys, if you would have seen like Mosh Eisley for me and Adam to go do this. And then I love that on this recent little stint of shows that you guys did where you do like the, you know, your cover songs of like your friends' bands you see this reaction to how people felt about those songs and that there are kind of on this theme that we're talking about is that in a lot of ways, you know, we, we have um, the, the connectedness of finding other people who are into this. Like, mind you, you could fall in love with someone at a show in 2002 and you would never see them again. And now it's like, boom, hit me up on Instagram. Cool. Fell in love with the girl at the rock show. Bingo. All of that stuff, like you think of like our connectivity and being able to like keep things like this going and like almost making a way bigger impact because it allows your sim the simple act of you sharing it on your story is like wearing a badge versus back then if you weren't wearing eyeliner or you weren't wearing black hats or you weren't wearing all black clothes, there was no chance for you to make a statement. And as we get older, it gets harder and harder for us to like have those identifying markers because in some ways you're like, I just, uh, I got to. I got to put on this monkey suit and go to, and go to work. But when you think about the ability of our connectedness and how much that's changed things too, again, that's just kind of more like an observation of where emo punk screamo is going to be on this like resurgence and how people are going to react to it. And I think it's perfect, perfect timing for tear me to pieces to come out. So again, dudes, thank you. I can't, I cannot wait for this next summer of music and absolute mania. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Thanks, well, dude. Josh, you should start wearing eyeliner, dude. No, you would look. <laughs> you would look good in it. Eyeliner. You could, you, um, I don't think any of us ever did. Ryan, you might have. I, I would wear like a little bit in the "We Don't Care Anymore" yeah. video. I have a fucking lot bit. <laughs> it sucks. Josh, could you put like a liner on your beard? We weren't very <laughs> emo, and uh, but we embraced the whole thing. We were in that scene, and we're still not uh, embracing it fully because I know, and you know, we all know in five years, this won't be what's cool again, but, but we've always been lyrically emo. Though. Yeah. yeah our, you know I mean? I'm just saying our shit fits in the genre, but we don't strive to only do that. And that's how this new record is. It's definitely a forward thinking. We're not trying to just only be cool when we were young fest and you yeah, know, yeah. that's it, but it's a great thing for everybody right now. Like you're saying, and 
it's helping us right now and uh, we're going to ride it into the future. And we've always been able to adapt in all styles of genres of everything, you know? So yep. it's a good thing, but uh, you know, when it's over, we'll keep fucking going and we'll, we'll have fun in other worlds. Keep on, keep that's on. That's punk rock. That's fucking punk rock, bro. That's just real life. Mike, if the listeners of this podcast want to follow you on social media, where can they do that? I'm going to do that. Might follow you right now. I am too. I would follow along like I'm in this weird thing where like many people are like we're talking about being adults. Um, my wife is a therapist, so I have my own personal Instagram, which I have to guard just because my wife, <laughs> um, because people get weird about that. Um, and we live in a small town. And so like I have to like tell her if someone's going to follow me, not because of something weird, but because she might be like that person mm. might be a client. Don't let's not yeah. do that. Um so, you know, you just get into, like, weirdness of stuff like that. So you don't do much public posting. No, but you can follow Hondo Supply, which is my uh, Star Wars fiasco that led us to this point. Uh, it's Hondo Supply on Instagram. And then this podcast that we have with my friend Adam here is called Armor Party because the other part of being an adult is when I found out that I had extra money because when you work a lot, you get extra money, which is great. <laughs> don't sleep. Get extra money. Um, you can do stupid stuff like decide, you know, I've had a child. I've reared a child, brought a child into this earth. I've bought a home. What do I spend my money on now? Buy a stormtrooper costume. <laughs> See what that does for you. So that's what my other podcast is about. It's called Armor Party. We talk about adults who dress up and uh, go out and... Uh, Dude, don't undersell it. You have fucking actual like Star Wars cast members and costume designers and fucking legends of the industry on your podcast. Let's be real. I do. I'm being, that's just real life. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a cool thing. I mean, it's really like embracing the idea of, uh, the podcast is just basically about just, it's just being yourself. It's about the idea of like loving something and being like, Hey, let's do this. Um, you find, uh, this amazing little intersection that we built at our side project, Mosh Isley. There was just people screaming lyrics to songs that they still felt just as passionate about dressed as their favorite star wars characters all of these things you got to grow up and start listening to dad rock <laughs> which what is dad rock now by the way because i'm i'm talking to a bunch of dads like what is dad rock to us is it still like the eagles like what is it no the <laughs> kids are saying that um metalcore is now dad rock like yeah. asking Alexandria and shit like that is, is now That's dad because rock. the new dads like that band. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're like grandpa rock now, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I was before that. I never listened to any of those. Yeah. We're like so cool now that we're, are we your dads or are we your grandpa's? Rock. We're people rock. Grandpa, we're people rock. Yeah. Rock, rock. Nice. Mimo, I would people. say like shine down or something. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure. Know? I think dad rock doesn't exist. It's just a way that young kids just pretend that they don't like something. Dad vibes by Limp Bizkit. That shit bangs. Yeah. I guess they're embracing the dad rock. Yeah. Nice. Technically. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. So those are the, I would say, follow me at Honda supply. Make it easy. Let's do that. Yes. Hondo H O N D O supply. But you're doing another one of these nights, right? Yep. Yeah. So the second weekend of when we were young, there's just the Saturday show, but the Friday immediately before that, uh, it's 28th, right? October 28th. Yep. yep 28th. In a couple of weeks. Yep. Yeah. We're doing at backstage bar and billiards. It's a, like a venue kind of thing in Vegas. Mosh Isley, it's a Star Wars-themed emo punk. It's like an emo night, Star Wars-themed slash Halloween party because that's Halloween weekend. Mm. Tickets are still on sale. They're going fast. Fucking buy them. Yep. You don't have to wear a Star Wars costume, but Star Wars costumes are 
strongly encouraged Star Wars themed things, Star Wars shirts. It doesn't fucking matter. Come Pretty sure out. I'll be there, but I don't own any Star Wars merch. Yeah. So. I'll give you. We'll give you a blouse. We'll yeah. give you a Mosh Eisley blouse. Okay. They're sick. Mike designed I'll do them. That. A, t- a torso cover. Yeah, yeah. A, an over blouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll put one of the Star Wars members on my body. Star War. Yeah, that that shit's happening. It's gonna be the best party you've ever been to if you haven't been to one. So yeah, tickets are still on sale. MoshEisley.com is where you can go to check that out. If you want to follow this band, it's at Story of the Year on all the stuff. Patreon.com slash Story of the Year is where you can go if you want to support this podcast and this band. It helps. Like it, it's, uh, it's very much a part of who we are as a band now, so go there. There's exclusive stuff like um, exclusive merch, Discord access, all kinds of shit. My stuff is all at uh, Jameson.net. Dan, where can you be found? Uh, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> dot. Edu. Yeah, Ed, you, as Josh would say. Yeah. Obviously, I am Ryan Phillips. I am nowhere. Jar Jar Binks is all your guys' favorite character, right? Yes. Yeah, I almost, I'm going to get a Jar Jar tattoo. Drew, where can you be found? Tell the people what, your, what this week's fucking social handle is. Uh, Drew blew the cop. <laughs> blew, the co- blew the cop? The cop? Yeah. Blew, blew the, the cop. cop. Yeah. Bring Got down on his haunches. <laughs> <laughs> if you get pulled over, don't blow. Do blow. Do blow. Or do. To blow or not to blow. That is that the question. Is the question. Yeah, at uh, excite.net. You can blow or you cannot blow, or Josh Wills, you could possibly suck one. What, what, what was it? Suck one. That's if you do blow. Suck one. Go the distance. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. How can